executive in the company, and uh, they asked him in that uh, in in the boardroom, a whole bunch of men and women. They asked him, uh, they, they asked about gender violence, and uh, Zahil said, "In our church, we we raise up strong men, and with strong men comes strong women. You don't uh, you don't you don't take men's strength away from them. And in the church as well, we can we can become like that where we sing very feminine songs." girly songs, just nice every now and again, but nice to sing a militant song every now and again too. So we're going to war, you know, not like kiss me on the lips kind of thing. Uh, I remember a friend of mine came to the church, uh, a previous church that I wasn't leading, and one of the songs were, Jesus just kiss me on my lips, you know, you can't get a cage fighter in your church, he's going to run out of there, he's going to slap you before <laughs> you kiss him on the lips. But uh, this is Bryn and John and Zaheel and Scotty and John and Sister, you're looking confused. I th thought I was going to get your name wrong. Rowan and Shane. Is that right, Mr. Rowan? Okay, these are, these are my mates. These guys are helping along the leadership team. So um, I don't know if you follow the news and what's happening around the world, but uh, I was quite intrigued by this weightlifter. So uh, he's a man but he identifies as a woman. I don't know if you know about self-identification or not. And I feel we need to treat people with respect and with dignity. Uh, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you identify as. I will always treat you with dignity and respect. But if you're a man and uh, you change your name from John to Jill, and you want me to call you Jill, out of respect, I possibly would call you Jill, but if you demand that I believe that you're a woman, but you're a man with balls, I'm not going to agree that you're a woman. I'll call you Jill out of respect, but uh, I still think you're a biological man. And so this guy, he's a New Zealand power weightlifter. He's a, well, they call, a, they call him a she, but he's a he, he's a, he's a man. He's got a penis. And he's got testicles. I'm not trying to be rude, but that's biology or something. You go to school. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not trying to be nasty. But uh, he self-identifies as, as a woman, and that's I don't care. But now he's competing, weightlifting against women, and it's an issue. And he's winning everything, and uh, he is, uh, he's now trying to uh, win for the Olympics. And I think we need to... We need some sanity here. We need to call a spade a spade, a man a man, a woman a woman. And uh, whatever you want to identify yourself as is, is not really my business. But if you come into our church, we're going to love you, treat you with respect, but we're going to help you see the truth and live the truth. And so our world is desperately in need of leaders, male leaders. Can women be leaders? I'm sure they can. But I'm just talking to men tonight. Well, I hope I am. <laughs> I'm talking to men tonight. And uh, I want to leave you with a challenge that you need, to, you need to speak up. You need to represent the truth. And, of course, you always do it with, a, with humility and with strong strength and with gentleness and with wisdom. Uh, because the world, the world needs you. Your church needs you. This community needs you. And uh, Jesus wants to use us. And we don't have to be bullies. And we don't have to be 
as I said again, disrespectful, but we can hold the truth. And, the, and, and people, the culture, the world, society thinks, if, if I disagree with you, if I don't accept your lifestyle, I don't love you, or I don't care for you, or I hate you. This is rubbish. I can, there's people I, I can love that I disagree with them. Most young people that come to our church are messing around. And I can love them, but I don't agree with their lifestyle. And we, we come alongside of them. We say, boys, if you want to be in this church, if you want to walk alongside of us, we don't touch girls in certain places until you're married. I don't know if that happens in Springs. Or if you guys believe that, but that's what, that's what the Bible says. And so we're very strong in our guys. We hold them accountable. When you get married, hoy. But until you're married, you keep your pants up. We don't say that much on Sunday morning because there's girls there, but when we get the guys together, we can give them a lacquer club. But uh, what qualifies me to talk to you? Really, why am I talking to you? Because you guys invited me, and thank you so much for inviting me. But I am not, I don't have more qualification than you, than any of you. There's stuff I could possibly teach you, there's stuff you could teach me. But my qualification, the reason I stand here is because I'm a grandpa. How's that? And in my, when I grew up, I'm a young grandpa, but when I grew up, you respected grandpas and you listened to grandpas. Is that, is that still like that? That's when I grew up. So I'm a, grand, grand, I'm a grandpa of two and uh, another one coming. But uh, as I said, uh, I love speaking to men and I want to, together with their father, I've got two granddaughters and I've got a grandson on the way. And I want to teach them, together with their father, what real men look like. Men that love Jesus not ashamed of the gospel, men that serve in the local church, men that treat women with dignity and respect and honor, men that serve flat out in the local church. I want them to see in me, not a perfect man, but a godly man. And uh, I can tell you, these men that are around here and the men in our church are upstanding, strong, not perfect, but they are men. And we take our responsibility uh, with, with great honor and we are celebrate our masculinity. We're not ashamed to be, a, to be a man. We boldly walk with our masculinity. And I think we could all do that. Women must wo walk with their femininity and God's made it like that. Men and women together. And so I want to teach my grandchildren. Of course, my children are all big now, but uh, that, that wives need good you know, there's many of us possibly have made mistakes. There's a Amount of men here, I've made many mistakes. I didn't grow up in the church. I, I wasn't a Christian all my life. Uh, age of 20, I'd already had two criminal records against my name, unfortunately. Did lots and lots of drugs. Stole lots and lots of motorbikes. Is that bad? Yeah, that's bad. But uh, I haven't done any of that since I've been a Christian. But uh, um, so we've made mistakes. Many of us, some of you even as Christians, but you know, the Bible says that every day is a new day and his mercy is new every day. We can make right. Tonight can be a, where you can really stand up. Maybe you've been sitting, maybe you've been crawling, maybe you've been lying in the fetal position crying. We're going to scoop you in the butt and tell you to get up. I don't know about that because the, in the early days of the church plant, every Monday morning, I was like in the fetal position because it didn't go so well. There's hardly any people there. My wife kicked me in the butt. She says, get up now. You need to lead us. And I think uh, we all need that. But our wives need good husbands. Our children need present fathers. Amen? They need it. Some of, some of us have a 
have neglected our children. They've been at the workplace, which is important, but not at the sake of neglecting our children. Tonight, there's, I'm going to give us an opportunity, all of us an opportunity to repent. I'm, I'll be the first one repenting of where I've let my wife down, where I've let my children down, and we say, God, have mercy on us, but help me change so I can be a good husband, a good father, and a good leader. I don't know if you know John Piper, but he's, a, he's one of uh, my favorite preachers, and he talks about this, uh, I don't know if you've seen this advert, uh, the camel cigarette. It's about this dude, he's out there in his Land Rover, he's in the bush by himself, and he pulls out a cigarette and he lights up, and he says, where a man belongs, with his Land Rover, and his cigarette, <laughs> in the bush alone. So John Piper, he says here, to hell with such lies. He says, where a man belongs is on his knees beside his wife, leading in prayer. Where a man belongs is at the bedside of his children, leading in devotion and prayer. Where a man belongs is in the driver's seat, leading his family to the house of God. Where a man belongs is up early and alone with God, seeking vision and direction for the family. Men, I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, be where you belong. I love that. You don't belong to some stupid forest on some stupid Land Rover sucking a stupid camel cigarette. You need to be there where your, folk, where your family needs you, where your wife needs you. I need to be there where my children need me. Every now and again, I suppose you can go into the bush there and ride your Land Rover. I ride motorbikes. <laughs> but the church... The church is missing the, public, the biblical image of redeemed masculinity. And uh, men are wired in a certain way. And I'm going to talk you through uh, some picture in the book of Exodus. And I'm not going to be reading any scripture tonight, so don't panic. I believe in the Bible. I love the Bible. But the, the concepts that I'm going to share with you, just a few points, is all from the book of Genesis. And uh, to show us, God, the, the picture of redeemed masculinity, because before we were saved, uh, in an unredeemed state, our masculinity, that's why you've got feminism, radical feminism around the world, because men have been idiots. Men have abused, men have neglected, men have been passive, or men have been over-aggressive, and uh, men have been abusive and, and hurtful. And so, of course, women ought to have been passive, weak wristers and passive, and men, uh, women have risen up because men haven't been there. But we need to redeem our masculinity. We need men in the church and in the kingdom who follow Jesus in a redeemed way. And so, as I said, we need strong, passionate men. It's got nothing to, to do with the size of your biceps, and it's got nothing to do with the size of your penis. But if both are small, that's a problem. No, no, just teasing. I'm just teasing, man. We're with a, we're with a bunch of men here. Yeah, I'm just teasing. But we do that. You know, little boys, they like try and pee and see who, how, who can pee the furthest. God, we're wired like that. We, we, we're wired with competition. And I'll share a little bit about that. But Steve Farrar says that one in ten men, one in ten finish strong with his wife or with his God, with his wife and with his kids. One in ten. So let's say there's 60 men here. How many is that? What's the stats here? Six. Let's say there's only six men that are going to finish strong here tonight. With their God, statistically, 
with their wife, with their children. I am one of them. There's only five places left. <laughs> I'm determined. Now, you can say I'm arrogant and I'm proud. I'm confident. I want to stick close to my God. I want to stick close to my wife. And I want to be there for my children and my grandchildren. I want to be one of those one in ten that finishes strong. Not because I'm good, but because what he's done for me. And I'm going to want to be disciplined. And I want to be determined. And I want to stay with him, stay with my wife, stay with my kids until my death do us part. That's what I want to do. And I, of course, I need his grace to help me every day. But I want to give you three biblical characteristics of what men are created for. Okay? So we get this in the book of Genesis. Uh, Adam is, is uh, uh, God breathes into Adam, and he, he creates Adam. And, of course, uh, it's not good for a man to be alone. I've been married this week for 30 years. I thank God that I get into the bed at night, and I've got a lacquer bulky to cuddle with my wife. I've been doing it for the, It's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for me to be alone. And uh, I'm just privileged that I have a, a wife. So he, he gives Adam a wife. To help him. But the first point is, is a man is, is, is created to be a cultivator, to be a farmer, to till and to work the ground, to plow the ground. Men, men are, are made to work. The Bible says even a lazy man shouldn't eat. We, men shouldn't be lazy. Men are, 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 are farmers. Men are maybe spiritual farmers, maybe literal farmers. But, but God put Adam in the garden to work it. Men are task-oriented. You know, women want to talk and they want to have relationship and fellowship. I mean, men like that too. But we, we, want, a, we want a, a task. You know, I was in, uh, in uh, Denver, Co Colorado, United States, in uh, January this year with uh, a few buddies, Tyron being one of them. And there was four of us. I took my son and Terry Kruger and Tyron, and the four of us went up into the Rockies on Harleys. And we rode the whole day. We didn't say one word, but we communicated a whole lot. We had helmets on. Well, half the time we had helmets on. Half the time it's legal. You don't have to have helmets on. It was quite crazy. But we didn't even have to talk. We just looked at each other, and we talked. God has called us. We were on a mission, riding Harleys. We wanted to get up in the Rockies there. But uh, God has called men to work. He called Adam, and we, he's our father. We get our cue from Adam. God called us to work. Work the ground. So find what it is that God's created you to do? What is it? Some people love to work on their hands. You know, you know. in this country, it's a sad thing how we look down, or, or many people look down on tradesmen and look up to accountants and engineers. I think that's a sad thing. My wife comes from Denmark, and you must see some cabinet makers, some, uh, uh, what do you call it, mechanics, her, her cousin is a bricklayer, a face bricklayer. You must see his house. He's got a wonderful big house. He gets paid the same amount of money as a lawyer would get paid. Men are, I had a friend. When he was 13, we were riding bikes at 13. When he was 13, he had a little YB50. He could strip that thing, take off the head, take off the barrel, change the piston at 13. And at the, now he's got his own shop. He's got his own mechanic workshop, and he's doing fantastic. But in those days, he didn't even he didn't finish school. Standard eight. We think, oh, he's dorked. I want to see you strip a motorbike and put it together, Mr. Accountant or Mr. Mr. Lawyer. 
Okay, but you can count numbers and do that stuff. I'm not going to rip you off either. But hey, God's called us. And I've got some accountants and lawyers here, so uh, hopefully I'll get a lift home. But God's called us to be fruitful and to fill the earth and to subdue it. That's what he told Adam, and to take dominion. God's called us to take dominion. Now, now I don't know how, you said I shouldn't hold back, okay? Now, I lived uh, in the 80s, and I went to the military. Okay, I was an army guy. Now, whoever's going to lead me into battle, I want to make sure, can I be honest with you, and just, I want to I be led into battle by a man, not a woman. I don't want a woman in front of me with a, with an R5 or R's, and she's leading me to battle. No, no, she must be. I want she must be behind us, so we take the bullet. You don't put a woman in front there to take the bullet, eh? Now I'm not saying that uh, a woman can't go to the army, but I'm just, I'm just. Ho- hopefully, you're recording this. You better block that out because I could get arrested for this. But uh, honestly, I want to. If I'm going to go into battle, I want to be led by a man. There's some things I want women to do that men can't do. But uh, so God gives Adam a wife. Now that's some babies. So that she, that that his wife or his babies can come alongside and help us fulfill the task that God's given us. That's what it is all about. Okay? There's no there's no ranking, there's no hierarchy in the marriage. It's not the man is more important. And and if any of us are thinking that we just don't understand kingdom manhood. A man has a role. And a woman has a role. That's all. No one is more important. A man's role is to lead the home. And a woman's role is to be, my Bible says, the helper. Okay? And that's very challenging in our culture. The man is to lead, to provide, and to protect. A woman's role is to help. Come alongside him and help him. Not lead. I look at some modern families, and I wonder who. I met this one guy, and I, and I was talking like this, and, he, and his wife said, there's no way we lead this family together. He's not going to lead me. We are together. Guess who leads that family? <laughs> you know exactly it's her. She even came to me. I was away, I was away on holiday one, one time, and his little kids were, were misbehaving. So he's out there trying to, and the wife takes him out there, and she's negotiating with the kids, and he comes in, and he says, Whoa, I just wish I could give my, my child a hiding. Why don't you just pat on the bum like you used to do? So I said, well, why don't you? Oh, she won't let me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's like, who's leading this thing? Is it she leading? And she was the one that said, he's not going to lead me. I'm not going to lead. We're going to lead together. You know, so God's called us to, has given us, a, and most of us will get married, and then we to work and we work together. No one is more important than the other. We have teams. But he's created men to take dominion. Men, men like to, you know, we've got a whole, we had, I don't know if they're still around, but we used to, at one stage we had a whole bunch of cage fighters, EFC fighters that were the most probably all pro- ex-from Springs. But now they're in four ways. <laughs> and, uh, and some boxers, professional and there's boxers and that. And these guys, that, you know, I started boxing and it was wonderful until... Uh, got into the ring with a guy from our church. But let me just tell you the story. I learned so much from these boxers. Eh? They, uh, they discipline. Now, their lives are a mess in every other way. But when it comes to boxing, they discipline. And you learn so much. They want to take dominion. So the story is, uh, there was, you know, we, were, we used to do sh- shadow boxing. So 
one of the professional trainers is in our church. And so now I'm with one of my buddies in the ring. And he says, you just shut up, Bob. Because you guys, you know, if you, one of you hits one, it's going to be, it's going to go crazy. You don't know how to do it. So he says, just shut up, Bob. Just shut up. And this guy, he's like this, I mean, they're always taller than me, these guys. And I'm in the ring with these guys. So, he, he, you know, he's got a long arm. Boom, and he hits me in the nose. I'm like, oh. I didn't like that. My nose is starting to run a little bit. I'm thinking it's supposed to be shadow boxing. And I think, no, I'm hesitating. So I'm like, I'm looking for a gap. And so we carry on. I'm looking for a gap. And I guess this one goes, boom. And he's like, hey, he's like that. Five, and then I just, remember shadow boxing, huh? <laughs> but uh, there was another guy that I was in the ring with. And we were supposed to be shadow boxing, but he clapped me one. And then I clapped him one. And then it was an all-out war. Eh? We would stand and deliver. We were clapping each other. And that trainer jumped in. He never let us do that again because it was it was so awkward. So like now I'm the leader of the church. He's in the church. Now if I clapped him, he's going to go find another church. Okay. And if he clapped me, I'm going to tell him you go find another church. So, so <laughs> it's a lose lose situation. So we didn't. But it was quite awkward. You know, I saw him the next Sunday at church. He's like, hey, like who won that fight? Kind of thing. You know, he's like, it's like. <laughs> but God made us like that. We just need to take that aggression and that wanting to to take dominion we just need to channel it that's all it needs to be you don't take it away you don't feminize a man you don't emasculate a man is that the word you don't take a man's masculinity away and his strength away you just channel it you know on the way here we've got one of our members uh, is in the boxburg prison we were like talking about maybe we should pop in and visit him on his way here but uh, he's in there for wrong aggression shot the guy we got little four ways chances, eh? We got some mean things there. Got guys that shoot each other, like in the church. Oh, didn't shoot the guy in the church, but I mean, and he got shot anyway. He's in the prison, but all we need, we don't take the guy's masculinity away. I mean, now we just say, listen, boys, you don't shoot people, okay? <laughs> no more shooting. <laughs> Put your gun away, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, and we need to take his aggression, and we need to channel it for God. He needs to fight for, we still fight, we have fights. We need to fight against injustice. We don't fight with flesh and blood and love, but we fight for the poor. We fight for the abused. We fight for the neglected. We fight for the, for the lowly. We need to stand up. Who's going to stand up for them if it's not us? I remember uh, in my house, I woke up this one uh, evening. It was late, and I just heard this, this cry, whimpering. I just heard what sounded like a, a man. I think it was just slapping a kid, and the kid crying. Slapping a kid, and a kid crying. And I'm thinking, this was disturbing. I just hope that would disturb you as well. And I thought, what should I just close my ears and ignore it? It's a neighbor. And I just couldn't. I just got out the window, and I just shouted, stop it. Stop it, man. What are you doing? And it stopped people. You know, sometimes we need to do that. We need to, we need to shout. We need to do something. We need to say, stop. You know, if you've got a mate who, who's married, and you can see him at the office or wherever it is, flirting with some other woman, messing around, you grab and say, stop it, buddy. We need, to, we need to do something. That's what we need to channel our aggression and to help the poor. But God's made us uh, this way, we, to compete. You know, little kids at school, and now we, you know what we, when we're a little older, we see who can throw the stone the furthest. Have you ever seen who could spit the furthest? God's made us like that. Now we got motorbikes, Christo there. Him and I, we see who can wheelie the furthest. Him and I wheelie together. Well, of course, it's me. <laughs> I, but he's my disciple. I taught him, but now he can wheelie further. 
But he can do one of these, these stupid endos. I don't want to do that. I've got grandkids. I don't want to do that. And fall over. But, uh, but God's made us like that. You know, I, I, whether it be sports. Some guys are sporty. Some guys are intellectual. Some guys are into art or whatever it may be. Whatever, wh- however God's wired you, just go for it and do it. But God's made us competitive. Have you ever played Christian? I used to play first division soccer in Natal for many years. And then I got, you know, I came up to Joburg and I played Christian soccer. Have you ever played Christian soccer? It's worse. Oaks are flucking and kicking and all sorts of things. Because we got competitive. Men are competitive. And you know what? God's made us like that. But we need to channel our competitiveness. I've got, got a Harley, 48 Harley. And I like to test myself. So I'm going to have the robot there. And check this guy's pulling me on this M4. And I'm just like, <laughs> and he flips it open. He's like, hey, are we, are we going to die? So I think I must jump on springs. Are we going to die? So, and of course on my bike, I can drop this guy. I drop him. Whack. And then I just tap off about 50 meters down the road because he's going to overtake me at 60. 50 meters, I tap off the road and I just wave at the guy. Say, yeah, like the next one. Next one. <laughs> Why do we do that? You just, have to, you just have to rev your bike like this and the guys are like already, yeah. Because we're wired like that. But we just need to use that wiring for God's good. We, 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 God's wired us to rule. Adam, go and take dominion. Subdue. We, we're wired like that. So I want to say go for it, man. Course, you don't bully people, you don't disrespect people, mistreat people, you can be humble and you can be confident. But we need our masculinity back to, to cultivate and flower, whether it be musician, whether it be programming, whether it be mechanical, whether it be whatever it is that God's called us to. So that's the first one. Men are created for to be cultivated. The second one is there's only three. The second one is men are created to work. I said a little bit about men last week. I want to be less when it, when it comes to those things. The general of my army, I want to be less arrogant. I could say things about uh, countries, groups of you, countries or my personal opinion, but uh, the Bible doesn't say we should have speak about the home and speak about the church. Men lead the home and men lead the church. Of course, together with their wives, but men carry the mantle of leadership according to the Bible. You can't change that. But in the home, the man leads. You can't change that. The world's trying to change it, but uh, you see the world. So that's uh, another two characteristics. The other one is humble, strong, biblical men who lead biblical leadership. When you've got strong men and strong women, that's toxic. When you've got abusive men or passive men, then it's very toxic. So a man is a warrior. It's like... uh, these Rambo movies. How many, remember we used to watch these Rambo movies that you, you walked out there, you think you're Rambo. You know, I can take Rambo on. <laughs> it's because that's the way. We, we're supposed to fight. You know that we're fighters. So safety comes, I told you, I wouldn't read scripture, but I'll give you scripture. Adam, he says to Adam, you must name the animals, take dominion, subdue. You can eat of every tree, but not of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree you do not eat from. Now he hasn't made Eve yet. God hasn't made Eve yet. He told Adam, So when Eve is made, Satan comes to Eve and he tempts her. And that's when, when Adam should be fighting. He should come and stand in the gap. So why, what are you talking to my wife for? If you want to talk, talk to me. But uh, so what happens is uh, Adam is a bad communicator like all men. 
a, on my leadership team, I've got a, quite a big leadership team. There's men and women. I make sure I've also got the women's email addresses because the men are useless at communicating. Okay? So it shows, comes from him. He was supposed to tell Eve, you can't eat from that tree. But he didn't. He couldn't have communicated too well because the devil comes and says, yeah, but did God really say? Did God really say? And in, in, in it, she, she eats. And then God comes and he says, he doesn't say Eve. See, that's why he's going to hold us accountable. God doesn't come and say, Eve, what did you do? She was the one that ate. God comes and says, Adam, where are you? Adam. Even though the wife did it, he holds the man responsible. Then what Adam does, he blames the wife. He says, Lord, it's this woman you gave me. <laughs> what a wuss. We don't want to be like Adam any longer. That's where he should have fought for his wife. She couldn't have, he shouldn't have sat there quietly watching the devil deceive her and eat. He should have fought for her. One of my favorite theologian preachers was Michael Eaton. I don't know if you guys know him. Michael Eaton, he was a guy from England, and he was a, he was a very tiny, frail man. Like a, he, was just, he was just a very uh, physically wasn't strong at all. I think uh, most of us would take him in a carriage, don't we? <laughs> but uh, but and he was very socially awkward. He died in, like literally in the pulpit. Like he was preaching at Cornerstone Church, and he went and sat down. He said, "I've got heart problems." He went to the hospital two days later. He's like, "And I'll play with him." But but when you talk to him, he's like he's like frail, and he's like very physically weak, and he's very awkward to talk to. But you put him in a pulpit, he was a giant. He was a bully, literally. He would get in that pulpit and he would stuff us around and he wasn't scared. And he just write books. He's written lots of books and he would take on theologians all over the world. He said, that, that doctrine that you're teaching there is wrong and I call you out. And he used to, he was, he was tough. So it's got nothing to do with how tall you are or how big you are or how strong you are physically. Whatever, you need to be strong in what that God's called you to. So he was a wonderful, he would take us all on theologically and bully us around and stuff us around. But we fought for the wife for Christ. We fought for Christ. We, we have to defend the, the helpless. We have to defend the poor. We, have to, we must be there. We need to fight, not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and forces of darkness. We need to be up praying for our kids and our wives and protecting them. When you get teenagers, you out there, who, do you, who are your teenagers hanging with? Who are your, your, your daughters? When they're teens, who are they hanging with? And your sons, who are they hanging with? Somebody's going to influence them. I want it to be me. Primarily. <laughs> Greatest influence. <coughs> so we had this guy. <coughs> I'm going to just like tell you his name. But he was such a fun guy. His name was Mark Baptist. I don't know if you guys know him. He was a football. He was, he was in our church for like four years. I remember the real, the, the real Moses. Christian Ken Barkley was a football player. So so Babs came to our church the first time. And if you don't know him, he was a top top soccer player. Like he was a excellent football player. He came to our church as a big guy, like six foot two, 110 kilograms of muscle. He was angry all the time. Big. And he came and we saw him there. The first time I saw him at church, I thought, oh, he, I knew he wasn't going to listen to the message. But he was 
Like you want to keep God like that. You're that aggressive. You want to you reconcile with this other professional boxer in our church. They used to fix one on one side, one on the other side until they got over their stupidity. And then I reconciled and became better. You take that aggression channel it. You take men's aggression away from us. Don't take can we be aggressive? Absolutely. We need to be aggressive in our thinking. There's no virtue to be to be strong in that. We're together. We call for war. We're not in a game here. This is this is this is this is you guys are gonna get tired of me telling this story. But you know when we we're in a war. And I so told about this guy that was killed. You know, when I was this he boxed uh, at Smith's boxing for like uh, Errol, my trainer there. And when we we talked, and I was such a you know, big fan of Errol, and he's Australian, big he's trained with burpees and he's back on the bed. And he's like, Hey, it's just Errol, you're gonna kill us, man. We're tired. I said, Listen, my boy, you're not here for a tent and highlights. You're not here for a tent and highlights. And I wanna say that for us too, as as men here. We're not here for a tent and highlights. We're in a war. You need to know that for your children, for yourself, for your wife. We need to stop violence against women and children. We need to stop it. We need to call guys out. We can't know of men bullying or hurting women and children. We need to come alongside them with a stick and say, hey, you better cut it out. Cut it. Amen? You have to turn a blind eye to it. And if you do that, then you need to stop it, man. If you abuse your wife, you hit your wife, you coward, man. We've got some big oaks here in Four Ways. Come and try that with them. The foot fighters. Have you ever heard of that? No, but seriously, if you, if you abuse women, stop, cut it out. You don't do that. If you hurt children, you don't do that. God's men don't do that. So we tell our guys, if you do that, you're either foot sacked out of this church or you're changed. But you're not going to stay in this church and keep doing that. Are we on the same page here? We preserve. We don't abuse and hurt women and children. We want to fight. And then the last one will be a quicker death. So we create a peace. We cultivate. We are warriors. And we instruct. We're called to teach. The Bible says the father must teach the children. The father must teach the children. Of course the mother can teach. But the father is to have a critical role in the life of the family. And if you don't have a father, he becomes your father. He will teach you. But if you've got a, if you're a father and you're a Christian... You're called to teach your boys and your girls. If you don't teach them, somebody else is going to teach them. I remember this, uh, I was telling the story of this, uh, I was at Monte Cristino one time, dropped my, many years ago, dropped my one boy off to go watch a movie. And I came, I was waiting for them. I saw this girl, it was a winter in Joburg. Carl, I saw this girl walking along into Monte. She had a, a tiny skirt and a small little top. And she had a jersey over her, and you could just see more flesh than anything. And I said to somebody that saw it, I said,
Jesus came to us, I just want to say this, and I just want to say this to anybody who wants to get close to God, close to God, or ever have a private relationship with God. God's given the most beautiful, perfect, unselfish heart. If you walk into the room, the privilege it is to know somebody, maybe an hour or two, fellow reading groups, and say, you know, just lay arm in lay arm, and, and stop, not just for a moment, but for the, the, the hours. My little granddaughters do that to me. They have five and three. They do that to me. They don't do it. They never do do it. So, gents, privilege to know you. Just to know you. To really take and minister a little bit. Let God use us. for our sins to sink us and to thank God for masculinity when we commit to making God the center. I want to be careful and faithful with our heart. Maybe you can be careful. You need to allow the heart to be centered on God and not on the So the best way for me to pray with you is this. You just stand by yourself and say, God, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to get on my knees. I'm going to get on my knees and pray. And uh, if you comfortable to do that, I invite you to get on your knees where you're sitting, whoever that is, and say, God, I'm comfortable. I can do that. I can do that. Father, we, I hope I've done justice to that. Lord, please let anything that came from my flesh in a way just cause bitter frustration. But the truth that is from you, I pray that that will, that will sit in, in our hearts and germinate and bear fruit. Father, we stand before you, sit before you, and kneel before you in humility. You are a great God. We come to you in this posture of surrender, of dependence, and uh, we want to ask you to forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for us of us. Forgive us of our sin. Things we've done in mind, in body, in deed, in mouth, in eyes, whatever it may be, Lord. Please forgive us our sin. We thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You shed your blood that took away the penalty of that sin. We just receive your forgiveness with repentance. And then, Lord, we thank you that you've called us to be men. You've created us to be men, to cultivate, to be warriors, and to be instructors. And we want to take up, we thank you for that mantle, that responsibility, and we take it up now. We ask you to come alongside us. And help us be the men, the fathers, and the husbands you've called us to be. We can't do this in our own strength. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you come and anoint us and help us 
prepare us so we can get up off of our knees and change things. Your habits that we have that are bad habits, broken off us. Your habitual sin, broken off us. The guilt, broken off us. The shame, broken off us. We're going to stand up, Lord, boldly and confidently because you have forgiven us our sin and you've called us to a path. We're going to stand up for that path. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, gents. Appreciate you. Amen.